Tanya for the 26th of, of Nisan, but first the story. During the times of the Rebbe Maharash, the fourth Chabad Rebbe, there was a chassid, there was a follower of his who was very wealthy. He was very charitable, very generous. He was, it sounds like a very good person. And he employed a fellow chassid as a, as a teacher of his students. And one night, when you know, as he was saying the Shema at night, he started going, making accounting through his day, and he he decided that he's not a very tr- truthful person, or at least he could be a lot more truthful in his life. In his in his life, and he committed that from now on, everything he's going to say is always going to be absolutely truthful. He's not going to mess around and play around with falsehood, whether it's a white lie or whether it's an actual lie. He's going to commit to truth. But he realized that he needs to up the ante. So he made a commitment like this. He was going to give 25 rubles every time he accidentally said something that wasn't true. That's a, that's a small fortune. And that was a very, you know, he, he was taking this very seriously. And so he, you know, he, he made sure that he put a very serious blockage in the way of him actually uh, uh, stepping out of line. So he, t- he, he mentioned to the, to the, teacher of his children, a fellow chassid, he mentioned his commitment, you know, this, this new resolution, and he mentioned like the, the, the safeguard that he put in place, and the man told him, if, if you're asking me, you should, you should keep lying. If you're doing lies, keep, keep the lies going, because so many poor people are going to benefit. Every time you say a lie, well, then 25 rubles are going to go to Tzedakah. That's a fortune. That's, you know, it's a good thing. So that was his comment. He, a, a, a while later, the, this teacher of the students, a chassid of the Rebbe Marash, came to Lubavitch, and he came to the Rebbe Marash, and somehow it came up. And the Rebbe Marash wasn't impressed. His advice that he had given to his employer about you know, saying lies in order to give money to charity, the Rebbe Marash wasn't impressed at all with that type of advice. It wasn't something the Rebbe Marash held of in the slightest. The Tanya right now is talking about the a fear of God. And we're talking about generating this fear of God and how a person's able to do this and what a person could think of and how a person could put himself into the mode of being able to um, have this fear of God and this love of God that he could employ throughout his life. And we, we started this this topic and in the middle of chapter 42, now we're talking about imagining about uh, imagining about God and the Al-Tarebbe is trying to give us uh, uh, an understanding that we can't fully really understand what's going on. Even though Hashem doesn't have any body. We say, we say about eyes and ears and the arm of Hashem and the fingers and the, the, the fist and the, all these descriptions we give to God. Of course, God doesn't have an arm or leg or feet or eyes or ears. And though God doesn't have all of this, we can't say God has ears. Nonetheless, Hashem is able to fully know everything that's going on. Hashem is aware of everything that's going on. And this knowledge that Hashem has, as we're going to explain, goes so much deeper than the way that we feel things outside ourselves through sight or vision or feeling or smell, whatever it is. With Hashem, is so much deeper than that. And even that itself is only an analogy. Says the Alter Rebbe that 
when we're describing Hashem's knowledge of us, of, of the world, of us, or, or us, Hashem's looking at us, this knowledge isn't something which is an, is an outside extension or, or an outside knowledge. You know, there's Hashem, and Hashem knows us. The Altar says that's not really what it's like at all. It's, it's like, for example, when a person feels something within themselves. Let's say, for example, a person, it's a fingernails, of course, any other part, but even something like a fingernail, a person's fingernail goes too close to the fire, he'll feel it. He'll feel that heat, he'll feel that pressure, and he'll know that something's going on. That's the type of, of relationship Hashem has with everything. It's not outside. It's not Hashem knowing or seeing something outside. Hashem is feeling it from within Him, from part of Himself. And Hashem knows what's going on in the world, and Hashem knows what's going on in everything in creation, all because He's knowing within Himself. Everything comes from within Hashem. That's how Hashem knows about it. This is what we say. No creature is hidden from you. Why is it not hidden from you? Because it's coming from Hashem himself. Like the Rambam writes, The Rambam says that Hashem knows all the things. Hashem knows all created things because Hashem is the source of all created things and the Balikbal though Rambam isn't officially though the Rebbe has proven that the, the Rambam is a Kabbalist Rambam isn't officially a Kabbalist all the Kabbalists agree with the Rambam on this on this principle that it's the Hashem knowing himself is how he's able to know about everything else and, and everything is all one like the knowledge and knowing and then with Hashem, however, it's not like that. It's not three separate entities, the knowledge and the knower and the known. In the case of Hashem, it's all absolutely one. Now, now that we explain this Moshal, how Hashem knows the world is by knowing himself. The Atabah says, slow down a second before you think, well, now I got it. You know, that's really straightforward. The author says, in truth, this is just a comfortable analogy. It's some way for our ears to hear and understand to whatever degree human beings can about how God works and how godliness works. But the truth of the matter, of course, is that it's not at all in the slightest how it really works. Hashem is not something we could download an understanding into our brain and say, oh, okay, I get it now. When a person looks at something, you know, let's say, for example, a person looks at an artwork, he goes to a museum, he stares at the artwork, and for three hours he's staring at the artwork, and afterwards he's a changed person. If he's an artist, his whole appreciation of art's been changed. He looked at one of the great masters, he analyzed the painting, and he has new understandings on how to shade and how shadows work and how to create depth. And he's a changed person by what he saw or what he heard, if the case, or a wise man listening to a speech, whatever it is. And even if the person is not, you know, perceptive within whatever, whatever sense he's perceiving, on so many levels, he's a changed person. Whether he's whether it's conscious or subconscious, his brain, his attitude, whatever it is, every single thing that we see makes an impact on us. In brackets, that's why we need to be very careful about what we, what we interact with because whether we know or not, we're being impacted by it. But everything we do, we, it, 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 
it carves some form of change within ourselves when we interact with whatever it is. But of course, with Hashem, you can't say that. So that's why this analogy, although you know, it, it, it helps us understand and makes us a little more comfortable because we're trying to discuss and understand Hashem's relationship to this world and our relationship to Hashem, we have to realize that this is a comfortable analogy. But that's all it really is. It doesn't really reflect the, the way that Hashem interacts with us in this world because Hashem is impacted. Hashem doesn't change. Us, on the other hand, are impacted by everything we come into in contact with. Shakulam. And the altar the, says that the Kabbalists the already dealt with this topic at great length. And we Jewish people know that Hashem is the way Hashem was before the world was created, exactly the same way Hashem was after the world, after the world is created. There's no change in Hashem. So in summary, what are we saying in today's Tanya? We're saying two points. Number one, understanding the way that Hashem interacts, in, at least in an analogy, how Hashem interacts with the world is different than our interaction, that Hashem it doesn't interact outside of himself it's almost like everything is Hashem and Hashem is everything and therefore Hashem's understanding and knowledge of ourselves isn't something that Hashem knows outside of himself but something within Hashem himself and point number two of today's, of today's Tanya in spite of how com- uh, you know comfortable that analogy of explaining God is we must remember there isn't, it isn't a true analogy in the slightest what we're doing is merely giving ourselves a comfortable way of understanding God, but Hashem is so much more beyond that analogy, most importantly because Hashem doesn't change. And this analogy, you know, it, it infers that there's some form of change within God. You know, there's Hashem, before he knew about well, himself, but the knowledge about whatever happened in the world, and then afterwards, and nothing's changed. Though Hashem is exactly the same from before the world was created until after the world was created. Thanks so much for joining Tanya. Tanya's ill initiative, Shishnawi, Avchan, Mishlar, and Sakhwas, Hatsarat, Seftun, Dunyak, Kamuni, and Fushan, and Vermon, Kamish, CS, Tabatra, and Shamasaraka, Lahai, Meshwak, and Vela, to deliver Elizabeth Lay, and Nemalatin, and Ransom, and Sibush Lem, have a wonderful, very successful day, and thanks so much for joining.